concept of retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA, founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent practice with securities offered through Raymond James, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. He's here to help you develop a better way of managing your money. This is Retire While You Work. Hello, hello, and welcome to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams. Thank you for listening. You can hear us every Sunday on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Again, thanks for tuning in. You can also go to our website at retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to answer your question on the show. We have a bunch of questions today. So thank you for contacting us. You can also give us a call anytime at 615-435-3644 back in the office And we'll take your question that way. Now, today's show is going to be focused on how we here at Retire While You Work answer really a a wide range of financial questions and situations. Now, we have a bunch of questions that you've emailed us uh, this week and throughout most of the weeks. So thanks for that. And also, we have some real-life client situations that we've dealt with, some today and some over the past couple of weeks, and actual meetings that we want to discuss. And hopefully they may, uh, or at least some of them may apply to you or someone you know, and we'd love to help you with your specific situation if we can. After all, this is the backbone of what we do day in and day out, so it's important that we share with you. Now, woven into these questions and answers will hopefully be a lot of our retire while you work philosophy. So what I mean by that is after 15 years of doing this, we really realized that the financial industry as a whole does a pretty bad job of answering money questions oftentimes. And the approach has purely been uh, based many times on the money part, but there is so much more to money and more to life than just the numbers. After after all, we always hear, or at least we always do, that personal finance is 80% personal and only 20% finance. And that's true. I've definitely seen that in our office And we've continued to see a culture that is really overworked and tired and not connected with their loved ones and often chasing this carrot or this idea of retirement that just doesn't ever happen or turn out the way that that people planned. And I'm tired of seeing that. And I want us to to be part of a change agent and a part of a a thought leadership here at Retire While You Work to change that um, so that we're healthy enough to enjoy the fruits of our labor. And the word retirement is just changing so much here in this country. Now, also in the studio today, we have, um, as always, or most weeks, we have Siobhan Farler with us, who is one of our wealth managers and also the COO of our practice. Hello, Siobhan. Hey, David. It's glad to be back. I love doing the radio show with you. We're glad so, to have fun. you. Yeah, absolutely. Glad you're back. And um, I know we have a lot of questions this week. Yes, is this right? week is full of lots of questions. So this has been a good week of all our listeners reaching out to us and different clients coming in and asking a wide variety of questions. So I'm looking forward yeah. to getting to those. Great. Well, I'm ready for that. We'll do that uh, throughout the show today. And then also we have a special guest, Melissa Hogan. Now, Melissa is the mother of three boys. She is a, a retired, semi-retired attorney. Yes. Um, she's a nonprofit founder. She's a dear friend of ours. Um, she's also a wife to a radio personality, a good friend of mine as well, Chris Hogan, who's on the Dave Ramsey Show, and also a best-selling author. You've seen and experienced so much, haven't you? <laughs> It's been a good life. Challenging, but good. Well, you are you are a rock star, and I know you've been quite an inspiration to me personally. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm excited to speak with you further and um, just get some of your, your wisdom and also to learn more about 
um, the nonprofit and Saving Case and Project Alive have some good questions for you. So thank thanks you for, for having me. Absolutely. Well, again, Melissa's going to be interviewed in a uh, segment here in our third segment, I believe. She's going to sh- share more about um, this rare disease, Hunter syndrome, that her son Case has uh, been a part of and that's been near and dear to, to my heart and something I've um, shared part of that walk with them. And also her journey in um, quitting corporate America to really focus on starting a nonprofit and um, working on finding a cure for this awful disease. And how did she do it financially? How is she doing it financially and emotionally? And um, she, she's juggling so many balls. And so it's been... Um, it's been it's just been really inspirational to watch you over the years and you are again a good friend. So and also this is very much in line with the retire while you work philosophy, putting family and relationships first. So stay tuned for that. And um, we're also going to uh, answer quite a few of your questions that we have. Uh, that we've received this week and also our Know Your Dose segment. We're going to ask Siobhan and Jimmy, our producer, and also Melissa, some random money questions. Don't worry, Melissa. These are going to be easy. Great. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> no, no, I know we didn't tell you about that. You wouldn't have come. Um, and also, if you've been listening to this show regularly, then you know that the passion um, or the passion that we have for changing the conversation about how retirement is viewed is very strong. And we don't want you or anyone working themselves ragged until 60 or 65 or whatever this, uh, this predisposed idea or magic age for retirement is. We want you to enjoy life. We only live once. Enjoy time with family and friends and spiritually and physically and staying in shape and, and finding that balance. And so as we go through and answer these questions, we always try to put that hat on and not just answer it purely financially. Um, now, the new $5 million 401k is being traded in for a basket full of life experiences. So maybe instead of having $2 million at retirement and obsessing over some arbitrary number, maybe you have a million or 1.2 million, but instead you have 20 years of time and trips with kids and parents. And I'm not saying to live irresponsibly and to not save. Um, I mean, heck, this is how we get paid in our business, right? But the more that we manage for clients, it's no secret, the more we earn personally. So there is actually this reverse conflict of interest in our business as financial planners. But in that, we just want to see people prosper emotionally and relationally. It's about the journey. Not just financially and having a better journey. And Mm -hmm. so it's not about saving every single dollar. It's about balancing it between experiences and being a good steward and saving money. This is what holistic wealth management is. And it's exciting because we're seeing more and more people consider this way of life. They're having these conversations. They're valuing experiences more and making changes earlier in life. So it doesn't have to be extreme changes, just small changes. Just, so let's get right to it. Um, before we go to break, I mean, we, we talked last week about three buckets of money and that we always talk about in our office and how they apply to holistic wealth management. Bucket one being the emergency fund, which is typically three to six months of expenses. Bucket three is that retirement bucket. That's 401ks and IRAs. And then that middle bucket, which is saving for things like buying a house or kids' college or retiring early. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and answer your questions after we take a break. Um, You're listening to Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams. I'm here in studio with Siobhan Farler, one of the wealth managers from our office, who's going to go over your questions when we get back from break, and also special guest Melissa Hogan to talk about her journey as part of this Retire Where You Work philosophy. Back in a few.
Hello, and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Thanks for tuning in. Just before the break, we were talking about the three buckets of money philosophy that we have at David Adams Wealth Group and also Retire While You Work. And you're going to hear a lot about that through these listener questions um, here in a minute. And also, we have special guest today, Melissa Hogan, who um, is going to be interviewed in our next segment. She has a very inspirational story. You won't want to miss that. And also, if you have any questions for us, you can go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit those questions, or also call us at 615-435-3644. And we'd love to get to your question um, in our next show. So great. Siobhan, do we have any questions lined up? We do. This one's actually from a gentleman named Kevin from Kingston Springs. And he emailed in saying we have roughly 400000 or so in IRAs, retirement accounts, uh, 100000 in savings, and they owe about 300000 on their house with over uh, over about 10 years, and it's worth about six fifty. They believe, and they're 65 years old. They're wanting to pay off their house and be debt free, but they, he said, we may need their IRAs for income in retirement. So, okay. do they pay off their house or use the money for income? And they said they have a small pension and a little bit of Social Security coming in. So, okay. the real the question basically is, should should Kevin and Kingston Springs pay off his house or keep the retirement accounts as as they are and use it for income later on? Gotcha. Well, no, this is a, a, a great question. Also, a very common question that I know we get at least twice a week. All the time. Just in actual client meetings. And I love the idea of being debt-free. Um, that's something that we've we've coached clients on for the last 15 years. Now... Something to consider, though, in this situation. So to to, to net three hundred thousand dollars in order to pay off the house, so they owe three hundred thousand. Yes, it would cost about four hundred thousand dollars. So meaning they would have to go, and it's in in this sounds like Kevin had four hundred thousand in their IRAs. They owe three hundred thousand. So they would have to essentially liquidate the entire account. Right now, that doesn't mean we that they don't do it, but we need to think through that because. To end up with zero dollars in retirement in a paid-for house, we've got to weigh that out. So, I'm always for paying off debt. Having a home that's paid off is a great thing, um, but they're 65 years old. Right. There's inflation. They, it sounds like they said they had a, um, you know, they have a small pension in Social Security. So, if they go and they pay off the house and they liquidate their entire 401k and IRAs, can they live on the Social Security alone and the small pension? And if the house is completely paid off, do they have enough income to then, you know, be taking care of the house, the taxes and landscaping or whatever? Right. The taxes, the insurance, even when you have a paid for house, you still do have obligations there. And a lot of times people may have a they have a $3,000 home payment. And when they pay off the house, they're surprised that they saw a thousand of that payment was an escrow for or something for taxes mm-hmm. and insurance. So, but you know, now maybe if they didn't have the house note and they liquidated the IRAs, um, maybe they could live on Social Security and their pension because their expenses would go down by the amount of the mortgage. Right. Um, but they need to factor in inflation. And what happens at 75 if they're on this fixed income and all of a sudden they don't have a backup? So in an mm-hmm. ideal world, you could pay off the house, still have a, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars in those IRAs that they could they could kick into if all of a sudden their cost of living went up or they had a $50,000 unexpected expense. I just hate to see their nothing um, there if they needed it. 
Um, so if some type of hybrid approach, do you think anything like that may work? Yeah. So, I mean, and, and you've heard me say this many times in meetings, you know, if, you know, and if they owed a hundred thousand dollars, this would be a quick, yes, I'd say, take it out of IRAs, pay it off. You're that close. Um, but maybe, maybe they do a hybrid approach. That's a good point, Siobhan. And maybe they pay off some of it and leave half of their IRAs. And then now let's say they pay off, you know, 150 of the 300 they owe. Well, now all of a sudden every payment that they're making, more money is going to the principal and they're paying it down faster. So maybe instead of 10 years, they're able to pay it off in five years. I know they're 65 and I'd love to have the house paid for now, but if there's a way to prolong that, pay it off relatively quick and still keep a couple hundred thousand dollars in the IRAs, I'd feel better about that. I just really like that balance between liquidity, money in the IRAs, um, and still having as low a debt and ideally no debt if you can. And also keeping some cash in the emergency fund. You said they did have 100000 in 100. savings. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we pull $50,000 out of that savings to, to throw at the house. Um, you know, we talk about bucket one all the time and how it's typically, like Dave Ramsey says, three to six months of expenses. Some people have a set amount that just helps them feel better, and it may be they want to have $100,000. And so we don't want to go against that gut instinct. Um, but before you yank everything out of the IRA and pay taxes, maybe you consider taking some of that cash, some of the IRA, leave yourself with some cash and some IRA, and take a big chunk out of the house. And then you're really hitting all those different buckets at once. Right. That's what I do. And then, you know, um, any chance that uh, they'd consider selling the home and downsizing to free up some money and be debt free? I'm just saying that's an emotional thing a lot of times. I think they said their house was, yeah, it was worth over 650. So there's equity built into the house where they could get a little bit more liquidity if they did consider downsizing. So they could have a $300,000 paid for home and keep all the $400,000 in the IRAs and keep $100,000 in their bucket one. And that makes my nerdy little CPA self very happy thinking about the way that picture looks. So there's several ways to do it. There's not a right or wrong. Um, Let's work on paying down that debt. And if you have, Kevin, if you have more questions, call us. We'd be happy to set an an appointment, 615-435-3644. Or if any of you listening have this same kind of question, you owe money on your house, you have money in retirement, and you're trying to decide where's that balance between paying down the house and keeping a healthy amount in retirement, give us a call or go to retirewhileyouwork.com or davidadamswealthgroup.com. It's a great question, Siobhan. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work, and we're answering your questions, please submit yours by going to retirewhileyouwork.com or, again, giving us a call at 615-435-3644. We'd love to hear what's on your mind. Next question, Siobhan. This question actually is from a call-in. Um, her name was Suzanne, and she came in. Uh, she lives in Hendersonville, and she said, "David, you're always talking about three buckets of money with any financial plan." And she really appreciates and connected with that visual and understands that type of simple approach. Uh, their bucket one emergency fund has again, kind of like Kevin earlier, has around a hundred thousand dollars. They have two million in their four hundred one k's. They are fifty two. And they're really getting the itch and passion to start a business uh, that will cost around three hundred thousand or so to start, they, but they only have two hundred thousand in what we call the middle bucket, uh, and they do have currently a financial advisor. Their question is, where do we get the other hundred thousand to start this business that they're becoming very passionate about? Uh, and she did happen to mention Suzanne did that their house is worth 1.2 million and they owe around 400,000. Right, so I'm just taking some notes here. There's a lot. I of- know there was a <laughs> lot of data in there. Well, so. this is good. My first question is, 
they have a financial advisor. Are there other financial advisors other than us? You know, <laughs> I, I, I maybe after this, uh, Suzanne will want to come in and actually meet with us. So. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. That was my attempt at a joke. <laughs> Melissa was laughing over there. <laughs> good. I like it. All right, so this is a good question. Now, I would say, let me say this. At 52, I wouldn't want to tap into bucket three just yet. Now, bucket three, for, for those of you who are just tuning in, we talk about three buckets of money. Bucket one is that emergency fund. That's money just sitting in the bank for emergencies. Call it three to six months expenses. Bucket three is long-term money. So that's your retirement money, 401ks, IRAs. Typically, you can't touch that money to your 59 and a half, or you have to pay taxes in a uh, pretty substantial penalty. It's about 10%. So in this case, you're talking about the $2 million that they have in their 401ks Correct. as bucket three. So their biggest bucket is bucket three with $2 million bucks. And great they, job uh, saving. Right. Yeah. So that's they've done the hardest part. They've got a great bucket three. They only need $300,000 to start their business. And they've got 200000 set aside in their middle bucket. That's bucket two. That's the money between your uh, your emergency fund and between retirement. So bucket two is more liquid. It's more accessible. You typically, you typically invest this money, and you can get to it if you need it. Now, um, so I don't want to empty out bucket one or totally empty out bucket two. However, the, this listener doesn't have the 300000 So I hate advising um, using debt. One option would be, because you said they... They only they have over a million dollar house and yes. only owed a few hundred thousand. They could get a HELOC at a low rate and only use it as needed. Maybe they use one hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of bucket two and keep a little bit in there, and then slowly use a little bit of the HELOC as needed. But I never like taking on more debt. But in this case, they have the padding if they need it. Um, so that's one option. Now, I want to do this question a little bit more justice. So when we come back from break, I want to throw a few, more, a few more thoughts to this question and then answer several more questions that we have. And also go ahead and start our interview with our special guest, Melissa Hogan. You won't want to miss this interview. We'll be back in a few here on Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Hello and welcome back to Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And just before the break, we were answering some of your questions throughout the week. And uh, we got uh, partially through this question, so I wanted to go ahead and finish answering this. Basically, we had a call in from a listener that um, mentioned they had an emergency fund, bucket one, as we call it, that had about $100,000. They had around $2 million in their 401k, which is that retirement bucket that we call bucket. Three, they're 52 years old. They want to start a business that's going to cost about $300,000, but they only have about $200,000 in that middle bucket, which is the money that's not in retirement, and it's in addition to their emergency fund. And they have an account with a financial advisor. Their question was, where do we get that other $100,000 to get started? And also, they wanted us to know that the house is worth about a million two, and they owe around $400,000. So what I was saying uh, for this particular question was we don't want to empty out bucket one. Ideally, we don't want to go in and liquidate that $100,000 emergency fund. And we also ideally don't want to get rid of that $200,000 in bucket two. Now, bucket two is exactly for things like this, starting a business before you're able to tap into bucket three, you can't touch retirement accounts to your 59 and a half. So I'm fine jumping into this bucket. And if we have to use it all, that's fine. But I would rather, um, I was just kind of talking through some other ideas here. So I hate, um, I hate the strong word, but I, I typically don't like suggesting going and acquiring more debt 
um, period, or to start a business. But in this situation, I mean, they do have an option if they don't want to go in and wipe out the entire bucket two, because they only owe four hundred thousand on a million two house. They could go and get a small home equity line of credit for maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and then work on paying that off uh, pretty quickly if they wanted to do that at a pretty low interest rate until the business started making money. Um, or something to consider, they don't want to take on debt, which I can certainly relate, relate to that, and they don't want to wipe out bucket one and two, to get that $300,000, you know, maybe they would consider waiting another year and we continue through this planning phase so that they can save up the $300,000 and keep bucket one and some of the money keep uh, still in bucket two so they can keep that momentum because there's going to be other things that come up in life, kids' college, right. adding on to the house, whatever it is, that they're going to want to have money in bucket two. And prevent themselves from taking on any additional debt. Um, Or they could do something drastic like we answered in our first question from Kevin, I believe it was, where they could do something drastic like downsize the house. I mean, they do have $800,000 of equity in their house. What if they sold the house, bought an $800,000 house, paid cash, and freed up a little bit of money? I mean, there's, there's several options here. There's no wrong or right when someone is leaving their main career to follow their passion and to start a business. That's what we talk about here at Retire While You Work. We want to encourage more people to do that. Um, it was a perfect question, right in line with our philosophy here of, of balancing your life and what you're going to be doing along with the financial planning aspect of it. Versus doing what, I mean, some of our guests have done on the show and shared openly and with tears and what my father shared where they worked themselves ragged till they're in their mid-60s and didn't really take a break. And now they're having to really make an adjustment in their retirement. So nothing wrong with doing that, giving yourself some breathing room and padding so that you can make that transition much more enjoyable and you're less likely to make bad decisions or emotional decisions when you've given yourself um, some good planning. So we highly recommend that. And gosh, we have Melissa Hogan here who we're about to interview. What a great way to segue into that. But I was going to ask you, you know, your path was a little bit different than this listener's question, but you had to evaluate the pros and cons of leaving your steady corporate income as an attorney for for your nonprofit, for Saving Case and Project Alive, which we're going to talk about. Walk us through that thought process and were you scared and how did you prepare? Yes, it is. It is a little scary. I've actually left two careers in my life. I left my job as a corporate attorney and eventually became a strategy consultant. And then I eventually left that one, too. Wow. And so with both of those, though, it was really a lot of conversations with my husband about what our priorities were. I left the first job because we both said, you know what? We're miserable. We're working ourselves to death and we need to find jobs that we enjoy and have a purpose. And so we saved up a good amount of money working those jobs. And at one point we said, you know, now we're going to go find jobs that we really enjoy. And so that's how I left my first job. We had budgeted. We were pretty lean for a while, but we had saved up a good amount of money. We budgeted and uh, then we were able to make it work. But it was it was nice and lean, but we were a lot happier. But that I mean, that's exactly I mean, that's a perfect example of this retire while you work philosophy. We've seen so many people they're 65 and they're worn out before they have this revelation. And they say, you know what? I feel like a hamster in a wheel and right. I'm, I'm making money. We're saving money for the family, but I don't enjoy what I do. I don't feel like I'm helping the greater good, whether it's a nonprofit or what Siobhan and I do every day, getting to help people through their finances. They don't feel that purpose. And you sense that early on and y'all made a plan so that you could go to step two. Right. I was 30 and I'm pretty thankful that I realized that at 30, I, I just had my first child and said, you know, I want to spend time with my family. I want to spend time with my husband and 
uh, find something that I really enjoy. And it's a great career to, to be a lawyer if it's something that you're really passionate about. But I found that I wasn't as passionate as as I thought I would be. It was just a job. I yes, got to that it point. was. So then you made this kind of this first transition, and and then what what led you from that from that transition to the next, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Right, right. So I actually taught law school and graduate school for a little while, and then I was a strategy consultant and really enjoyed that. Got to travel, had great clients, international law firms, and then our youngest son was diagnosed with a rare disease. And I kept doing consulting work, but eventually, out of necessity, I had to leave that. And that's where I ended up transitioning into to advocacy first and then into forming a nonprofit. Gotcha. Well, if you're just tuning in, um, thank you for your questions we received throughout the week. You can submit your questions to retirewhileyouwork.com or call us at 615-435-3644. If we have any more time in the show, we'll answer a few more. If not, we'll get to them next week. But we're just uh, introducing our special guest and having a conversation with her right now, if you're if you're tuning in. Melissa Hogan, she's a, a dear friend of both mine and Siobhan's. She's a mother of three boys. Um, she's retired from the corporate world. She's a nonprofit founder. Um, just a great inspirational story she has. Um, also good friends with her husband, Chris Hogan, who's on the Dave Ramsey Show. He's a uh, an author and a radio personality, and together they've um, they've seen a lot and they've done a lot. And we were just talking about her transitions from her first two jobs into where she's at now. And Melissa, you mentioned um, your three boys and specifically Case, who was diagnosed with a rare disease, um, Hunter syndrome. So tell us what Hunter syndrome is, and tell us about him being diagnosed. All right. So Hunter syndrome is a progressive multi-system genetic disease that is on the X chromosome. And it's progressive in that the average lifespan is 12 to 15 years old. Mm. And so these kids are missing an enzyme. And because of that, their bodies fill with cellular waste and they progressively get worse cognitively, physically, and behaviorally until their early teens. How did y'all discover, like, when did y'all discover this? Well, Case was actually diagnosed at two uh, by my mom, who is an RN, and we have lots of providential miracles in our life. And my mom actually sat down to watch her favorite show at the time called Mystery Diagnosis. Really? Yes, yes. And she sat down to watch it. And during the show, there were just lots of little symptoms that are that are part of Hunter syndrome, um, loud breathing, uh, chronic diarrhea, um, lots of in- ear infections and uh, respiratory infections. And uh, my son would fall a lot. And so she started to recognize these symptoms. But what this show she watched specifically was about Hunter syndrome. Yes. So, so it happened to be episode. just a coincidence. She saw this show and these were things that Case was going through. I just got time. chills. Yes. I mean, what are, that's just amazing. It's really miraculous. So by the end of this episode, she realized that her grandson probably had this very rare, it's, it's pro- approximately 2,000 in the world. So it's and five hundred here in the yes. five hundred here in the U.S. Is yes, that right? very very rare. And so she realized that, and eventually she had to call me and tell me that she thought he had this very rare terminal disease. I can't and imagine. Do- and, and doctors had missed it to this point, or yes, had you not he, even gotten that his deep symptoms with it? were very mild, and he probably would not have been diagnosed for another year or two if she had not seen that show. Wow, wow! What what a blessing that um, and and. 
we're about to take a break, and we've got I've got a lot of questions about that. Um, if you're just tuning in, we've been talking with Melissa Hogan, who's a dear friend of ours here on the show, who's um, head of a nonprofit, um, Saving Case and Project Alive, looking for a cure for Hunter syndrome, a rare disease. And we're going to talk with her when we come back from break. Um, she's also been down a path and a journey that's very much in line with our retire while you work philosophy. Um, so a lot of great things we want we can learn from Melissa Hogan. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams. News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back in a few. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on Re- News Radio 1510 WLAC. And just before the break, we were we had answered some of your questions. Thanks for sending those in. Remember, you can always go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question, and we'll answer it um, on next week's show. Also, give us a call during the week, 615-435-3644. Love to hear what's on your mind. Just before the break, we had started an interview with our dear friend, Melissa Hogan, who's a mother of three boys. She's retired from the corporate world, nonprofit founder, looking for a cure for Hunter syndrome, which is a rare disease that her son, Case, was diagnosed with at an early age. And we were talking a little bit about that and how her, her mother actually diagnosed Case after watching a show on TV where she learned more about this rare disease. Now, Melissa, you were telling us that only 2,000 people in the world or 2,000, are they all boys in the world that have been diagnosed and only about 500 here in the U.S.? Yes, almost exclusively boys. So some exceptions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, there's a few girls that we know of. Okay. Um, All right. So tell us about Project Alive and Saving Case. Tell us about what you're involved with. And um, I know quite a bit, but give us us the... Give us the, the yes. deal. Yes, sure. So Project Alive is the 501c3 nonprofit that I helped found with a number of other parents and that I'm currently the president of. And that came out of, actually, after our son was diagnosed. His name is Case. And I was having to learn a lot of information, everything from how do I get a wheelchair approved by insurance to um, you know things to know when you go to a doctor's visit. And I thought, I can't learn all of this and have the next person recreate the wheel and learn all of that information too. So I started a blog in 2010 called Saving Case. Okay. And just started writing. And that's one of my personal passions is writing. And so I was writing that information, sharing it with others. And eventually that turned into forming a nonprofit. And that nonprofit is now named Project Alive. And if you're listening, please go and check out savingcase.com and projectalive.com for this for the story of not just of Melissa's son case, but of all the other children that are affected. It, I mean, I was at an event the other night with with uh, Melissa and her husband Chris and um, others watching the video series, the newest release. I think it's uh, episode four, and. You know, I've been very close to to Case since he was younger, and I had chills and I was in tears. I mean, it is, it is a we need a cure for this rare disease. And there's Melissa's created a great army of people that are really coming together, working hard on this. Um, and your help is much appreciated, Melissa. Tell us how close are we to a cure, and wh- wh- where are we in this process? We are we are very close. So um, they can go to projectalive.org. dot org. I'm sorry, projectalive.org. We're we're very close. We have been funding preclinical research okay. for about five years now, and preclinical research is is you know how you find that cure that treatment. And then you get ready to go into human clinical trials. And so we are at the stage now where we're ready to go into human clinical trials. And in mice, that it is a cure. 
Amazing. Uh, it, They've it's, seen, they have pretty, I mean, it Yes, it it's looks, a single gene defect, and it's it's a, a treatment called gene therapy. Wow. And they put it in mice, and it corrects that copy of the gene. And, and the hope is that it's a, a one and done, um, possibly possibly lifelong um, lifelong treatment. Because you were mentioning earlier, cases now 10. Yes, and the typical lifespan twelve to fifteen. Is twelve, right? yeah. Yes, yes. Well, we were lucky that Case got into a different clinical trial when he was younger that seems to be stabilizing him, but it's very arduous. He gets uh, spin- spinal taps. Spinal taps. He's been getting yes. for a long he's time. He's had right? eighty spinal over eighty, 80 spinal, taps. spinal taps. Yes, and he's ten. And I he's mean, ten, that's... and he has had six surgeries to put uh, implants into his spine. And he has severe medical trauma, and he could develop antibodies to that treatment. So we need an actual cure for. But what disease. that's done is it's potentially his, his the, the his timeline bridge. for him is hopefully a, is, is a little bit longer as we're as we're against the clock working on this cure. Yes, yes, we're hoping that's his bridge, and that okay. th- this will be an actual cure for him and lots of other kids. Okay, so you said, mentioned we're pretty close. Um, are they are researchers pretty pretty confident that there is? I mean, there's a Definite likelihood that this, that what's worked in mice, could be a fix-all situation for everybody diagnosed with Hunter syndrome. Yes, it yes, could be it's, that big. I mean, it could. That's where we're at. Yeah, it's it, it's actually been performed in a sister disease to Hunter syndrome, okay. and that is currently in a clinical trial and has actually been been uh, treating several children. And so wow. we followed along to. We followed on that research with the same researchers, and so we're watching that clinical trial very closely. But we feel pretty confident that this will help kids, and that's really our mission is just to save kids. Okay. Well, that oh gosh, I just I mean, so is it just money that's now needed to get there? I mean, is it and if so, how much? How can we help? And is yes. it is it just money? It, it is money. We are in what's called the valley of death, which is between preclinical research and translational research. And so this is where you go into humans. And at this stage, it's, you know, it's a couple million dollars. And so we- two, two and a half million dollars at the event the other night. Yes, is that it's, right? It's two and a half million. And we've already raised a half a million dollars in awesome. the last four months. Okay. And great. that's- to So actually, headed that direction. Yes. So we're, we're, that's to manufacture the vector to start a trial and for the costs of a clinical trial. So if you're listening and you have $2 million check you can send it to absolutely <laughs> we, we are, absolutely yes. no that so two million dollars and then what and then we open up a clinical trial that will so a clinical trial it will test this uh this treatment so okay. you know something in mice doesn't always work in humans uh but of we course. feel pretty good watching this similar trial and so then we will treat nine boys and and hopefully the hope is to to save those kids and then to move forward with that for more kids. So the time so let's say four months from now, two million dollars comes in, we go to the next step. What is the typical timeline between that and getting to where those nine boys we get to see if, if it does what we hope it does? Right. Well we would our plan right now in order to manufacture the vector that takes about six months. And so we have to pay for that. We start paying for that in November, and I write a really big check that hopefully we have in the bank. And then that trial would start in approximately June if we had that two and a half million. And then you stagger a few children to make sure it's it's safe and it starts. So you come out November here in just a few months. Yes. In June of next year. Yes, correct. So next so fall, fall of two thousand and eighteen, we could start getting some data on the first yes. couple of children. Wow, mm-hmm. that's it's it's amazing. Close. So close. It it feels very very close, but. But uh, about no. two million dollars far million away. Dollars. Okay, okay. Well, couple. Uh, so, so how did you decide to 
you know, to quit your to quit your job and to do this. I mean, obviously with your son and everything, I know this was um, this is very near and dear to your heart and a passion of yours. But what you know, were you scared and how did you plan and prepare for this? Because that was probably a scary thing to do financially and all the things that went along with that. It was, it was. And at the time, like I said, my son was in a, in a clinical trial that very few kids were into. And we were traveling back and forth out of state every month. To North Carolina, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. we were. And I was trying to do consulting work at the same time. I remember that. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And when we saw the research happening in the sister disease, uh, a f- couple other parents and I, we said, we think we can do this. We called the researchers and decided to do it and just make that leap, which is really really scary to put yourself out there to say, we're going to raise millions of dollars and fund this. But my husband was fully on board and um, we didn't have a lot of choice because my son had a lot of needs. And I thought I, I have the philosophy to whom much is given, much is required. And we've been very, very blessed in terms of his health and in terms of my husband having a good job that yep. that I can try to do this and, and not work in the corporate field, but really give back to our Dollars community. so awesome. Such an inspiration. And, and, you know, Chris, Chris is awesome, too. I mean, what a, he's such a good uh, support system. Yes. And, um, wow, I'm just amazed by both of you all. So. What would you advise other parents that are dealing with this or any other special needs situation? I'm sure you've learned a lot from this. What advice? Yeah, you know, there are probably three things I would say. The first is you have to grieve. You really do have to grieve the fact that your life is going to be different than you thought it would be. Right. And, you know, just because your child is still here, you don't want to grieve so much that you're not enjoying them. But you have to recognize your life will be different and, and honor that, that that takes a little grief. And sometimes that grief can come and go over. Di- yes. It's not just a one and done. It can come and go in waves over sure. t- over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I would say find your tribe. Find your people that you that believe in you and that you believe in and that you can walk alongside to pursue a mission, whether it's it's just keeping your child safe and healthy or if it's raising two and a half million dollars to fund a cure. Right, right, absolutely. Well, we're part of your tribe. I love it. <laughs> I fully embrace that. And, and I mean, that's great, great wisdom and information. How do you stay in the present and enjoy the precious moments that you have had with Case and that you're going to continue to have? And just how do you how do you do that? Well, I think every night, you know, in some ways, being faced with death is is a gift because you recognize what you have and how precious precious it is. So every night I try to make that night count and think, you know what? He could not wake up in the morning. All of us could not wake up in the morning. You're right. And so I try to look at my kids and really communicate my love for them and, um, you know, wipe the slate clean and, and know that, that we could all not, or eventually we all won't be here. And so we want to love each other and embrace each other. And then I had to find my personal passion too. I'm a writer. I write music, and so I, I had to give myself something that is mine, and that I, I use that also in the work that I do with Project Alive. You're a great writer, and oh yeah, uh, well, and that song the other night. Um, what's the name of the song again? So I wrote a song called Alive. Alive, and uh, you can see it on our our YouTube page, the Project Alive YouTube page. Yeah, projectalive.org, and then the YouTube page. Um, some great a great video series about Case and some of the other stories the kids dealing with Hunter syndrome. This has been great. I mean, again, you're Thank such you. an inspiration. We're so thankful for you. How can how can we learn more about uh, about Project Alive? What can we do to help? You can go to projectalive.org and watch our entire video series. Uh, we're on episode four, which is about our family, and it's called Just Like You. 
that episode. You can watch that and you can give by going to projectalive.org and you can follow our progress on gofundme.com slash projectalive. And we're just over half a million. Thank you so much, Melissa Hogan. And thank you for tuning in with us today. And always, you've been listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. If you need to reach us during the week, 615-435-3644 or visit retirewhileyouwork.com or come by and see us at our office in the historic 12 South neighborhood. Love to see you. I'm David Adams. And remember that life is short and there are many, many more important things to worry about than money. And we certainly hope that this show helps. Thank you. Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. David Adams Wealth Group is not a registered broker dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC.